Well, this morning is a little bit of a different Sunday for us here at PCBC. If you're a guest, I hope that you will listen in to our State of the Church address. I usually take the last Sunday in January to launch into a new year, take some time to reflect on where we've been, and then perhaps try to shepherd us into hearing from heaven on where God is taking us in the days ahead. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's our compass. It is the compass for our fellowship. It's the compass for your life. It's a verse that you probably know well. The question is, do we know the verse or do we live the verse? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the wisdom of God given, tells us this, that we're not to lean on our own heart or our own understanding. Uh, we are tempted to go the way that seems right. There are things that we want to do, things that we think we should be doing. Uh, and what I discovered after becoming a Christian is, I don't create business for God. He's already in the kingdom business. He just allows me to be a part of what he's doing. I don't have to think about new things for God. I don't have to do things for God. I get to let God do his thing and join him where he's at work. He says that if you will acknowledge me in all of your ways, all of your decisions, the choices you make, every single day, how you go about your day, if you would say, God, what would be your will in this? you will discover that he will lead you to make the right choices, the right decisions. And so we as a church, this is not what I'm about to share with you, the pastor's vision. It's not the deacon's vision. It's not the staff's vision. It's literally God speaking to his people through this last year and leading us into a new year. And he said if we would acknowledge him, if we would seek him, he would make our path straight. So as we look at where we were last year, we're also going to take a look at where God has been speaking to us about the days ahead. And I want to give you a key word this year. Last year we focused on who's your one and one-on-one -on -one with God. This year the word I want to bring you is the word grace. Now grace is a word that you throw around in church all the time. It's a word we sing in just about every other praise song probably and is the most famous song on the planet, God's Amazing Grace. But what is grace? There are a lot of people in our world today that know the song, but they don't have a clue what grace is. If you were to try to sit down with somebody who wasn't a believer and explain to them what is grace, what would you say? How would you define it? Well, there are a lot of people in this world that I said before know the word, but are really confused about it. I call them Aunt Bethany's. You know these Aunt Bethany's that exist in the world? You say, what are you talking about? Watch this video clip and see if you can see how confused people are about grace. Before we begin, since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in the saying of grace. Oh, oh, grace. Oh. What, dear? Grace! Grace! She passed away 30 years ago. They want you to say grace. The blessing!
I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. 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 What are, you, what are you going to do with that? Old Clark sitting around the table, so proud of his family, until Aunt Bethany says grace. For some people, grace is a person's name. For other people, grace is something we say over a meal or especially during holiday times. For other people, as I said earlier, grace is a song we sing in church. Amazing grace. Well, as we dig into scripture, there's so much to this word grace. I want to take you there. One of the classics, Paul writes about it. He gives us a better understanding. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Classic passage. Most people know verses 8 and 9, but miss out on verse 10. Paul said, it's for by grace that you have been saved through faith. A lot of people are confused about how they're saved or made right with God. They, they think that they have to earn their way in. They think that uh, perhaps it's by going to church or joining a church. Uh, I've seen people show up and say, Pastor, I need to get baptized. Why? Well, man, I just need to get right with God. Well, baptism doesn't make you right with God. Baptism is a picture that you have surrendered your life and he has made you right with God. It's just a picture. But some people look to those things and say, well, that's what I've got to do to be saved. Paul is teaching the church and he's saying, no, grace is all about salvation. He talks here about saving grace, that we're saved by grace through faith. We have to put our faith and trust in that grace. What is this grace? The Bible says it's not of yourselves. It's not something you produce or you build or manufacture, but instead look at it. This grace is the gift of God. Grace is a gift. It's not a prayer. It's not a person. It is a gift that was accomplished for you through the person of Jesus Christ, a gift that was purchased 2,000 years ago on a cross, and a gift that is offered to each and every person, whether you're in this space or worshiping online, that gift is offered to each and every one of you. The question is, have you received that gift? Now, if you have, the Bible says, number one, that grace will save you. I'm right with God, not because I'm a preacher and not because my good is outweighing my bad. I am a child of God because I've placed my faith in Christ and Christ alone. I now know that I am saved. But that saving grace is about all that many know in America today, in the American church. They may know enough to know that it's saving grace, but they don't understand what that saving grace now means. For many... Saving grace is I've got my ticket to heaven. I was lost. I knew I was a sinner. I heard a Baptist preacher or a Methodist or whoever preach at me that I needed Jesus. So I got a Savior and I've been saved by grace. And that's all they got. They miss out on verse 10 that what that saving grace now does is not only does it give us a new life, it gives us a new calling. Look at verse 10. For we are now his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Paul is teaching them about saving grace, and then he says, once you experience that gift, that gift changes you. You become a part of his workmanship. You were once spiritually dead. You were a natural man, but in Christ, you're a new creature, he says in 2 Corinthians 5. 
You're a brand new person. And in that new grace that you have, that new life you have, you are now his workmanship created for good works. You see, Satan has turned the equation upside down. He has said to you, the way you get right with God is you do good works. God says, no, I did all the work on a cross. I give you that gift. And now that you have my saving grace, now I'm going to use you for my glory in my kingdom work. God has a work for each and every one of you who know his saving grace. Too many are sitting in church and not being the church. Too many look to God to save them in grace, but they're not living in their calling of this new grace that is ours. So Paul unpacks it a little bit more. Go down a few verses. Go to chapter 3 now in verse 1. Go to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1. Now, when this letter was written by Paul, it was written as a letter. It didn't have chapters. It didn't have verses. It was the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul to the people at Ephesus, but also the people at PCBC. That God would want you to know how you can have saving grace, but what you now get to be a part of because you have been saved. So as he's writing this letter, as he's sharing the heart of God, he gets down to verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul... The prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. In chapter 2, we see saving grace. In chapter 3, we see something that I don't know in 35 years of being in the church that I've ever heard anybody preach on this topic. I've heard all kinds of sermons about saving grace. I don't remember a time, and maybe there has been, but I don't remember a time anyone preached about the stewardship of God's grace. The stewardship. I asked you earlier, how would you define grace? Let me ask you this. How would you define what Paul talked about, the stewardship of God's grace? We're going to look at that today because that plays into where we're going in 2022 and where we're going beyond this year until the Lord Jesus returns. This phrase, stewardship, well, if you've been in a Baptist church long enough, you've heard the word You've been preached to about stewardship, and for most, and I'm just going to pick on Baptists again because that's all I've known uh, for the most part, uh, stewardship is about my finances, it's about my pocketbook, it's about me being a good kingdom giver, it's about me supporting the ministries of the church and God's kingdom, and that's all stewardship has been for many people. Well, Paul here talks about a broader perspective, another facet. You see, just like a diamond ring, uh, the brilliance of that diamond is determined by how many facets are cut into that diamond. The same is true about God's grace. One facet is its saving grace. Paul now tells us here in verse 2, there's another cut of grace, another facet, and that's the stewardship of grace. So what's this word, stewardship? Well, the stewardship word in the Greek literally means to be a manager, steward of another person's household. There's a great picture of this in the Old Testament. Uh, if you've ever studied the life of Joseph, you know that Joseph was sold out by his brothers. He was uh, sold to slave traders. They took him into Egypt. Somehow he found his way to Potiphar's household. Potiphar was the head of security for the Pharaoh. He was a man of power. He had lots of influence, and I'm sure he had a mighty possession in his, strong, in, in, in his household. And here he was working the security. He had to have somebody take care of his things. So he takes Joseph, who he saw as a great leader. 
And he placed Joseph to be in charge of all of his household estate. These things were not Joseph's, but he became in charge of those things. He was accountable to Potiphar for what would happen there. And Joseph was extremely disciplined in his stewardship. He understood that he was to give an account to Potiphar for all of his household, for all of his estate. You read the story, you know there was a time that a part of that household was Potiphar's wife. Potiphar uh, was probably gone all the time. A workaholic, his wife being lonely, sees this young man, this successful, young, uh, handsome man, and she desires him. She puts all the pressure on him to compromise and to be with her. And, and Joseph understood, no, I'm a steward. I'm not going to take advantage of my responsibility. I'm not going to use this to my own advantage. I, I, I'm going to be holy and accountable in my stewardship. He understood that there was an account to be given. That he had the privilege, the responsibility, and he took it seriously. That is stewardship. Taking care of someone else's household. Well, Paul introduces us to this concept, and I don't think many believers understand this part of grace. We know saving grace, but we don't know the stewardship, our stewardship of grace. What does that mean? Well, the Bible teaches a number of different things that, that we are a part of seeking the things of his kingdom. Uh, Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom and then everything else gets added. But what do we do? We seek everything but the kingdom. We seek the things that we want. We seek the things that Hollywood says we need. We seek our, our friends' approval. We seek everything but kingdom stuff. Not very good stewardship of grace. And so you get to a, a parable that Jesus taught called the parable of the talents. Do you remember this parable? Jesus told a story and he said, here, let me teach you about stewardship. And it had nothing to do with necessarily money, although money's involved in this. It was about their life and their stewardship. He said he came, there was a guy who had uh, a significant estate, and he came to three people, and he was going away on a business trip, and he said, I want you to take care of my things. I'm going to entrust this to you to be my stewards. To one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two talents. And to another, he gave one talent. And he entrusted them to be in charge of his stuff while he was gone. Well, there they were. Uh, they had time on their hands. They didn't know when he'd get back. And so what were they going to do? Well, the first guy, he was a great steward. He took those five talents and he multiplied them. And he grew them. The guy with two talents. He didn't have as much as the guy with five, but he still was as serious about his stewardship. And he multiplied his talents, the things he was in charge of. And then there was a guy with one talent. And the Bible says, Jesus speaking of this guy, he did nothing with it. He buried it. Instead of investing it or multiplying it and growing the business, if you will, he just buried it. And as Jesus finishes that story, he says, the owner returned at a later date. And they each had to give an account for what they had done with what they were stewarding. The first two were able to give glowing reports. They were able to give back to him what was entrusted to him and even more. And then the master got to the third guy and the third guy said, whoa, whoa, whoa I, I was scared. I was afraid I might mess it up. I, I just, what I did is I buried it and I kept it safe. And he was rebuked for just sitting on the blessing. 
Well, I would tell you that that story was given because Jesus was speaking to the heart of stewardship. That God just doesn't give us grace. God doesn't just pour into your life and say, hey man, I want to save you, I want you to be in heaven with me one day, and that's it. And we are to bury it and sit on it and just be thankful that we're saved by grace. No, God gives us a stewardship. That grace that has saved us is a grace that ought to change every day we live. We're stewards of that grace. And so you know the parable of the talents. Do you know the parable of the desk? Anybody know the parable of the desk? Let me give it to you. Parable of the desk. Let's say you're at work. Let me tell you a little bit about this story. In this story... I'm a bankrupt guy. I was down on my luck. I'd lost my job, uh, almost lost my family. I was bankrupt. Somebody told a very benevolent business owner about my story, and he believed that maybe I had some talents that could help his company. And, and so he gave me a shot and entrusted to me the company he had built his entire life. I became president of this company, and uh, he was now at an age where he was kind of wanting to travel more, enjoy his older age and older years with his wife and kind of travel. And so he entrusted his company to me. Well, I've been the CEO of this said company for the last couple of years, and I'm hanging out at work one day, and let's say you're me sitting in this chair at this desk, the parable of the desk, and you get this phone call. Listen in. Phone rings. I pick up. Hello, this is Bill. Uh, excuse me? Can you say that again. The owner is here? The owner. Is that on my calendar? I, did, I didn't know he was coming today. You're not pulling my chain. You, the, the owner's here. Okay, okay. Uh, um, let's see. Um, uh, oh, I did, had no idea he was coming today. I wasn't quite ready for that, but... Uh, Give me a couple minutes and, and, and send them in. Thank, thank you. Now, what do you think I'm thinking at this point? Am I excited? Am I ready? Well, here's the rest of the story. The owner comes walking in and he sits down across from me on the other side of the desk. I haven't seen him in two years. He's been out and about. He also, through this COVID world, has tried to travel some, had a hard time with that. And now he's come at the end of the year to kind of check and see how the company's going. So I want you to listen in. As we dialogue, here he is sitting across the desk from me, and he begins to ask me, hey, how are things going? How are you and the family? Oh, man, boss, we couldn't be better. Thank you. By the way, can I tell you thank you for the gift you gave me two years ago? And we, didn't, we were bankrupt. I, I didn't know what we were going to do. I didn't know how I was going to pay the bills. And, man, you've been so gracious to me and my family. I, I want to thank you. Well, Bill, thank you for taking over for me. It's allowed me to travel with my company, and man, I'm so thankful. I, I, I just thought I'd stop in today and see how things are going with the company. Okay, well, sir, um, as you know, 2021 was a tough year. We thought it was going to be easier. We thought the COVID thing would lighten up, but as you know, it's, it's been difficult. But sir, I want you to know, I've, I've taken my responsibility very seriously. We projected that sales were probably going to be down in 2021, so I, I, I took some measures. I cut some costs. I took a look at the budget, and, and I decided, well, we don't need that advertising budget anymore. We don't need to be 
marketing the products because people aren't going to be out and about. They're not, they can order online if they need to. So to try to save some money during this COVID year, I cut the marketing budget. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, how's the team? How, how's the staff? Well, sir, uh, the sales staff, um, I have them working from home now. They're just kind of hunkering down, playing it safe, don't want anybody to get COVID, you know. Uh, so they're not out selling. No, sir, they're, they're, they're at home, working from home. But, but sir, I, we've been aggressive. They come every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. I give them a meal for 2 bucks it, from 5 to 6. They show up, they eat dinner, and at 6 o'clock every night we have staff meetings every week. We check in and we get our game plan. And, and then on Sunday mornings, this is how serious, I start calling in on Sunday mornings at 11.05. Every Sunday, we gather up for, for our sales meetings and sales training, and, and man, I pour into them how to sell the product, and we review our product, and, and man, they know it better, than, and man, we're ready to sell. Okay, well, that's, I, that, that's good. So talk to me about sales. How are sales going? Well, well, sir, did you not hear me? 2021. It's been a COVID world. People are not engaging like they used to, and so we've been conservative, and we've been careful, and, and we've saved the budget, but uh, well, Bill, tell me, how many, how many new customers do we have for the year? Uh, good question. Hang on. Now, I know the answer, but I need to buy some time, because I'm not real happy with what I'm about to tell the owner, neither is he going to be very happy, so I, I play around through the files. I, I pull out our, 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 our spreadsheets, and sir, looks like to me... Um, from January till, till the end of this year, um, sir, it looks like we've got eight customers, eight new customers. Eight customers? Are you serious? Well, sir, it's, it's been a tough year. Well, did those customers, were those significant customers at least? Or did we have repeat customers? Well, we didn't have a lot of repeat customers. They stayed at home too. How about sales? How, 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 what's the bottom line? Well, sir, out of the eight, uh, uh, three, three bought some of our product. Now the others have told me they're probably going to buy some next year. They're they're they're, they're probably going to buy, and our guys are following up on them. Are you telling me all this year you only reached eight new customers, and only a few bought the product? Yes, sir. But don't forget, I saved the company twenty thousand dollars in budget savings. Now. If that was a real live situation and I was the president of that company, would I still have a job the next day? Probably not. Would I have a company to run the next? No. That company would go bankrupt. And I would tell you the parable of the talents ties to the parable of the desk to say this to the church in America today. A lot of us are burying the grace. A lot of us are sitting on that grace. A lot of us have received that grace. We've been blessed by that grace, just like me being blessed to have this job, this owner that was gracious to me. But because of this or that, or because of fear, or because of COVID, or because we've changed the way we live, we've made excuses for why we're not stewarding that grace. How many people did we reach last year? How many people... Did we, the body of Christ at PCBC, share with? How did we, how many of us shared grace with somebody, with someone we were praying for? So as you think about the parable of the desk, and you think about what Paul wrote about, the stewardship of grace, 
I pray that in 2022, we would be able to look back at the end of this next year and we'd be able to share with God, God, we saw this many people come to Christ. Lord, we were able to share the gospel with this many people because we were engaged in the stewardship of grace. What does that look like for us here at PCBC? Very quickly, let me try to get this out and get you home. Number one, let's reflect on where we've been, where we've been. In 2021, like I said, in the parable of the desk, the parable of PCBC, we also had our challenges. We had to relaunch after COVID shutdowns. People were online with church and not gathering, and we had to relaunch last year, and we've had to relaunch, it seems like, three different times because of COVID outbreaks last summer from Falls Creek, uh, the COVID break of 2020, and now the COVID outbreak of this fall that we've also had to struggle with. But over the year, we put an emphasis on two things. We challenge you to be serious about your relationship with God. Go one-on-one with God every day, every day. And then we challenge you to pursue somebody to be engaged in their life and to have at least one person you were praying for. Many of you came up here and you grabbed a ping pong ball and you put an initial on that ping pong ball and we put them over here at the crosses in these vases. And I would tell you we're going to do the same throughout 2022. And then, praise God, through stories and through you sharing, there are some people who received grace and they became a new creature no longer lost in sin, but now saved, and we were able to fill out those ping pong balls as well. Then we finished the year asking the church to prayerfully uh, finish off what we started in 2017, our children's building and preschool remodel. $2.1 million in, in about four years' time, a little more than four, at the end of last year, we were, to able, we were able to pay off every single penny of that project. It was a glorious, glorious victory. Yeah, amen. That was awesome right there. But let's don't be excited about paying off debt and forget about the biggest debt that people have against a holy God. Let's be as excited about reaching people through spaces like a children's building and preschool on this campus and through the ministries of our church as we are in paying off that debt. So where are we going in 2022? Where's God taking us? Well, we're not done with these two emphases. Uh, these will always be and always have been the priority of God's heart. That we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the other commandments like the first, that we are to love our neighbors. That is experiencing God's grace. And that is sharing with our neighbors the stewardship of God's grace. So what does that look like moving forward? Well, we're going to challenge you to continue to pray as you look at the lobby and every I don't even know if you know this is out there but on the wall we put every ping pong ball that came in in 2021 and every white ping pong ball that you see there it goes about three ping pong balls deep and you can see how high that's going those are people we prayed for last year the orange ping pong balls represent those that we know of that have come to know Christ as Savior well if you were to look at that and acknowledge God and say okay God uh, you led us to pray for those people in 2021. As you acknowledge God in all your ways, he makes your past straight. What do you think God's saying about that? Hey, guys, you're not done. We're not moving on to anything else. There are souls still to be saved. There are people that you know that need God's grace. That's your stewardship. Only you can get there. Only you can get to them. I was reminded of that this week, and I call it Mikey's story. Uh, this is Mikey right here on the screen. 
uh, I got this text from Mikey this week, and I've come to love and admire this young man, and this week his life was greatly blessed. It's been challenging, uh, a premature birth of his second son uh, this week. Uh, that son came earlier than supposed to and had to be a NICU, but God brought them a son. I got a text from Mikey just a couple nights ago, and he shared this with me. I want to read this to you. I have his permission. He said, last night I had a long, deep conversation with Christy. That's his, basically, mother-in-law. Then she went to bed. After that, I prayed to God, and I put all of my trust into him. I gave my life to him, and I prayed about everything. I can gladly say that I've never in my life felt more happy and relieved. I can tell you that the amount of weight I felt lift off my shoulders and was an amazing blessing in my life. He was saved this week. Isn't that glorious? Isn't that awesome? That's what you celebrate. More than a building payoff, a believer. Now, how did he come to faith in Christ? Well, he was surrounded by people of faith. Uh, the mother of his child and the step, or the mother of the mother of his child are believers. And some of you know Christy Dunkel and Shelby. Uh, oh, by the way, would you guys right over here wave at us right here? There they are right there, and there's Mikey sitting right there with Shelby. That's his story, amen? Isn't that glorious? Now, Mikey may know this, and he may not know it, but uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Christy called the preacher on him. Hey, you need to come see Mikey, man. He's having a hard week, man. Come see him, and Shelby, come see him. I got a chance to go up there. They'd already been, I don't know how long you guys have been ministering to Mikey. It's been a while. They've been sharing their faith, and Mikey grew up in churches. He told me, he said, Bill, I grew up in a lot of different small, itty-bitty rural churches. But they always preached legalism. They didn't preach grace. They didn't preach Jesus. He's kind of turned off. And then God brought him into Shelby's life. And under their influence, he began to see the gospel, and he began to hear about the gospel, the truth of what God's grace really is. I got a chance to share with him in the hospital, man, and it was awesome. It's refreshing when a young man cares enough to know truth. I got to spend some time there, and we talked through it, and he wasn't ready to accept Christ a few weeks ago. And then Howard Edmund, who is our pastoral care minister, just happens to also be uh, working at a business that sells auto parts to the dealership where Mikey works, and so he's on Howard's route. So Howard's been ministering to him and sharing with him, and they've been having God conversations for weeks. Dude didn't have a choice. You didn't have a choice but to get saved, all right? Uh, God had you surrounded. But if we had not been intentional, if they'd not been intentional with their stewardship of grace, Mikey would still be heading for hell. Not because he's a bad guy, he's a good dude. But we've all fallen short of the glory of God, and we all need the grace that's changed our lives. Praise God for your faithfulness to Mikey. Praise God for your prayers and your concern for his soul. And now today we get to celebrate in person with an orange ping pong ball, Mikey's salvation. Is that glorious or what? And may that be, amen, may that be the first of many stories to come in 2022. So how can we be better stewards of the grace God has given us? Trivia question, I don't expect many in this crowd, if anybody, to know what this is. Does anybody know what a penny farthing is? Penny farthing? Anybody? Besides staff. Penny farthing. They're sick of the penny farthing. This is a parable, another parable, that really spoke to us in 2021 about 2022. We were meeting together as a staff in our staff retreat and praying about what we could do to reach more people with grace, and we came up with a parable of a penny farthing. Here's a picture of it. 
up on the screen. Maybe this will make sense. You ever seen one of these? This is Satan's will for mankind as well. I don't know how this ever got engineered in America, but that used to be the everyday bicycle. Can you imagine? That deal is brutal. Now, it didn't start that way, but here's the deal. Uh, when they first built the bicycle, the front wheel was much smaller. And if you see the pedals, where, where, where do the pedals attach to on our bikes today? The rear wheel. In the original concept of the bike, it was in the front wheel. And so to get bigger and better like we have to in our culture, uh, to go faster, to go farther, they realized the only way we can get faster or further, we've got to build a bigger wheel. And so over time, they built that bigger wheel. Go back a little bit for me here before we get to the solution. Go back one more. So over time, that front wheel kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger until you took your life in your own hands. At this company, as they were building these bikes, they started having a lot of injuries, a lot of returns. Sales were declining. They built a faster bike, but they had built a bike that nobody could ride. And here's the parable of the penny farthing. That picture right there is a picture of the church through COVID and the church in America today. The front wheel represents discipleship. It represents the half of the Great Commission. The Bible says we're to go and to make disciples in all the earth, teaching them to observe all that God commanded. Well, over time, churches can get so consumed with what we need, what we want, we can get so built up into Bible studies and fellowships and youth groups and this and that and forget about the back wheel, which is reaching people with grace. We're so busy growing in grace and growing in the knowledge of who God is and everything is about what we need to grow in grace. And that's what the church in America looks like today. Our conviction was that we needed to fix the bike. So in this company, somebody who was on the, the conveyor belt line, the assembly line, uh, realized how they were getting so much done and how much easier it was to build bikes because of this belt-driven system, this conveyor belt in the factory. And they said, what if we did the same thing? What if we did a belt drive in the bike? What if we harnessed the front wheel and the back wheel together? So now, look at the next slide. The solution for us is that we must invest in the back wheel as much as we are invested in the front wheel. The answer is not to reduce the front wheel. The answer is to produce the back wheel and to be as healthy as the front wheel and harness those together. We have got to be a group of people who are not concerned about having a church home and a church family that blesses me, but that we all wake up to our understanding of the stewardship of grace. Yes, grow in grace. Yes, grow one-on-one -on -one with God. But let's don't forget God has called us, just like Paul, to be stewards of grace. Jesus will return again. And the Bible says we as believers, we will give an accounting for our stewardship. Not whether we're saved or lost. We're already saved. But there's this great white throne, or there, there, there's the Bema seat of Christ. The white throne judgment is for those who are lost. For those who are saved, everything we've done in our stewardship of grace will be laid at the feet of Jesus. And only the things that we invested in grace will last the judgment in that moment, and we will be rewarded accordingly. Parable of the desk. 
Do you think the boss that day, after hearing my accounting, would give me a raise because I saved thousands of dollars in the budget but sold no product? I'm not getting a raise. I'm probably not even getting the, the job next year. And I wonder today, if Jesus was to do you know Jesus is coming back? Are you aware of that? They knew a Messiah was coming the first time, many missed it. Can I tell you, many know Jesus is coming a second time, and many aren't ready for it. What if the boss returned today? What if Jesus walked right through those doors? Actually, he doesn't have to walk, he popped right down through the ceiling. Boom, here's Jesus. And every one of us gets to line up behind the desk and give an account, listen to this, give an account for our stewardship of God's grace. Bill, tell me, how many people did you share my grace with this year? Uh, sir, it was COVID. I know it was COVID. How many people did you share grace with? How many people came to trust me as Lord and Savior this year? And you were a steward of that grace. Lord, I buried it. I had plans to share it eventually. How many are ready for that holy accounting? Stewardship. Of grace well we as a staff got very convicted about that back wheel and we started saying okay here are the things in 2022 we can do to grow the back wheel to to, to reach people more with grace so we're gonna start with preschool ministry work our way up I'm gonna do it as fast as I quickly can and I'm already over time let me do it quick preschool they're gonna be doing a weekday preschool like we used to do we had to shut it down for COVID reasons uh, we're now relaunching that it will be a three-day week weekday preschool that will launch in the fall. Valerie is putting that together and they will be launching a summer uh, mid program, uh, kind of get it launched in the summer, but actually it starts full time in the fall. You can be praying about that and maybe telling somebody that needs that blessing. We think we can reach a lot of young families through that. Our children's ministry continues to do Whiz Kids with Wiley Post, but also this year instead of doing VBS at church, inviting a community to come, Instead, we're going to go to the community. Laurelin is already starting to work with the team to see where a lot of our young families with young children live. She's going to be pulling those families together to be leadership teams. And we're actually going to do, do VBS in neighborhoods instead of asking the neighborhoods to come to us. And we'll be talking about that in the days ahead. Our student ministry uh, has been launching first priority clubs. We've got several in our high schools. We've got one or two going in middle schools, and we're hoping to expand that in time. And that's training up teenagers to reach teenagers where they live all day long, and that's at school. What about our adults? What are we going to do with our adults and other things for students? Well, one of our big strategies we've been trying to launch for a couple years is called Community Bridges. We've talked about this. We finally now are able to engage more intentionally with this strategy. And we got this strategy from the International Mission Board. If you can look from left to right, uh, what it is, is it's a strategy that IMB has used with missionaries all around the world. It used to be that we would ordain missionaries. You'd get called at Falls Creek to be a missionary. We'd send you to a foreign country. You would build a hut. You'd live among the people, and you'd tell them about Jesus. Uh, now what we do is we send missionaries, and they go in with a, uh, with a business and they bless the people of a community financially. They offer them jobs. They offer them hands up economically. And through that relationship, they minister to their employees, to their family members, 
to the customers and to a community. And it opens up bridges and doors into the community. That's our whole logo here, bridging from those who are lost and letting them find how they can know God. Well, they use that model now and they send people over to create businesses, to bless a community, and to open up doors of ministry. We're doing the same thing. America is just as lost as any other country. And so we are seeking to provide kingdom businesses that minister to a community through providing services, providing employment, and out of those relationships, leading people to Christ. Uh, we also believe that's an experience in God model. We look to see where God's at work in our community, where God's at work in our church, and we marry that up together. And I'll show you three things we're doing right now to do that. Um, community CrossFit. Uh, we didn't know the McClellans until recently. Uh, we now know the McClellans well, and God brought them here during COVID, and they landed here at PCBC. And uh, Josh has been a pastor before, a collegiate minister on, uh, on college campuses, and through all that, he also was a CrossFit trainer. And so we partnered with Josh, and we've started a CrossFit gym over in the Annex temporarily. As it continues to grow, we'll eventually launch it into another storefront, and we're using that business, if you will, as a mission and to help people get fit physically that will bridge to their heart and making sure that their heart is fit as well. It's a glorious, cool ministry called CrossFit. Great stories are coming from that. We're starting a, a, a company called Community Construction. And through that, Tom Duckett, who sings in the first service, who's a builder, uh, is going to be leading that. They're going to be doing uh, remodel jobs. They're going to be doing insurance jobs, roofing jobs, remodels, whatever it takes, and using that to employ young men and young women who want to learn a trade. Maybe people from Francis Tuttle, Votech, or others that are trying to learn the skill of construction. And what is considered a very difficult uh, trade and a very ungodly uh, environment, we're going to be able to provide a great employment with a godly manager, ministering to the employees, customers that we work for. So if you have a project that you need done, one of the hardest things you can find is somebody you can trust today or even get somebody uh, to do a job. Well, you can call the church and community construction will do that. And they'll do it at a very affordable price, but they'll do that as a ministry to the community, to you, and to their employees. There'll be a lot coming in the days ahead about community construction. The third one, uh, we don't know exactly what we're calling it. For now, I'm calling it community gathering. And let's go to the next slide if we can. Uh, and that is trying to be stewards of this campus to share grace with other people. Now, here's what we know. The average Christian today doesn't have many lost relationships. Now, there may be lost people around them. you got lost people all around you at school. We have lost people around us in our neighborhoods at work, but we're just not connected to them. Uh, we're just connected on social media, but we're not connecting with people. So one of the things that we want to do is we want to take that outdoor space out by the annex, what you see there in yellow. You can see where the volleyball pits used to be. You can see the annex right there. Uh, we are redeveloping that whole space and trying to make it somewhere where people in this part of the city want to gather during the day, during the summers, and during the week. What are we going to do? We're going to put in a, a snow cone shack with a coffee, probably a slice of pizza, just a, a good little hub right there on the campus where people can come and get refreshments, but then they can hang out and do things on the campus. We've torn out the old stage where we used to do lawn chair church. 
That's going to be built into a mini amphitheater. We're going to be able to do outdoor concerts, outdoor movie theaters at night uh, for the families to come and gather. Uh, we're going to do a Frisbee golf course out there on the property where people can come out and do Frisbee golf. We're going to have uh, uh, a bunch of other different interactive games. And there's going to be pickleball courts where the sand volleyball pits were. So now you can play pickleball during the day. And whenever we want to do lawn chair church or a concert, now there's a deck that you can put a lawn chair on and not sink halfway into the ground. Uh, there's going to be a lot of neat things that happen on that part of the property. And uh, we're launching into that. We hope to open it this spring. We will be doing uh, church outside for Easter this year. And we hope to have the majority of that completed by April. We've got a lot of work to do. So that's coming. The green spot on the west side of our property, that long strip of land there, we are working with a strategic planning team on what we might do to maximize the stewardship of that uh, part of our acreage as well. So there will be some great things coming in 2022. Those are just a few things that you need to be praying about. Not praying that we be successful at those things, but praying about how you might be a part of your stewardship of grace. Let's pray about it with every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for being patient today. Thank you for not looking at your watches or the clock. I appreciate it. But more importantly, God's looking at our hearts. And it's not right for us just to know saving grace, to know that we are saved by grace, but not know that we're his workmanship called to do good works in his kingdom. That we all have a stewardship of God's grace. I hope today that that has opened the eyes of your heart as well. And that Mikey won't be the only one that we come to hear a story of one who came to know saving grace. But because of our stewardship of grace, there would be countless people this year, 2022, that come to know Christ. Now you can sit on your grace. You can just live life normally, naturally. You got your ticket to heaven. You've been saved by grace. But are you living out your stewardship of grace? If not, just confess it like I did this last week. God, forgive me for not being intentional. Maybe you didn't even know this word. Maybe you didn't even know stewardship of grace. But today you do. Today we're accountable. What are you going to do with your stewardship? Lord, I pray right now. I pray for every person in this room. I pray, God, that not only would we be excited about Mikey's story, but, God, you would give us fresh stories in the days ahead. Lord, that there would be others who come to know your grace because we have taken grace to them. Whether that means getting engaged at a first priority club at school, whether that means being engaged at your place of business or in your neighborhood, whether that's being a young family that comes together with Laurelin this summer to reach out to your neighborhood kids, whether that's being a part of student ministry or part of uh, the annex ministry or community bridges or just the very own ministry God gives you every day. Man, show up. Be a part of God's kingdom business. Don't just sit on your grace. Share that grace. There'll be ministers here at the front. If you want somebody to pray with you, we'd love to pray with you. If you want to confess Christ today, you have questions about Christ, come to one of them. They'll share with you. Maybe you need a church. You say, man, I could, I could be a part of a fellowship that's serious about reaching souls, serious about God's grace. We invite you to come. You can join the church this morning. Say, man, I want to join PCBC. You come. Whatever your spiritual need, honor God in these moments. Father, be blessed.
Speak to each and every heart. Continue to do the supernatural and the unexplainable. Thank you, God, for your grace and for the stewardship that you give us. For we ask it in Jesus' name now. Amen. Ministers are here at the front. Let's stand together. It'll be a short time.